today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The big controversy here in Hamilton right now, uh, among many, is is, uh, the conversion of Main Street, which, of course, is a one-way street, as we know, and has been for many, many years. There have been a number of fatalities on pedestrians, uh, and it's a a shocking number, quite frankly. Uh, And it has led to a debate at Hamilton City Hall about this, which is, uh, as it stands right now, asking staff to look into the feasibility of making that a two-way street. Uh, now, we asked a couple of days ago uh, on the CHML Morning Show, Good Morning Hamilton, how Hamiltonians felt about that. And here's a little sampling of what we got. They're going to have those people that they're going to find alternate routes. They're going to go through neighborhoods. Even It'll probably be, even be backed up uh, past the on-ramps onto 403. On Main Street, there's a lot of space there to create a commercial entity. With the LRT going along King Street, we're going to be opening up passages that are going to be a little more conforming to universal traffic going both ways. Main Street is a main east-west corridor, as is King Street. And if you divide it in half, it's just going to clog traffic something fierce. So that's a little sampling, and we'll use that as a starting off point for, well, uh, the Mayor's Town Hall meeting. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is going to be with us for uh, the next hour, and uh, we will open the lines for your phone calls and your emails, of course, too. Uh, the number is 905-645-3221, 645-3221. Uh, cell phones, toll-free, star 9900. And our email is bkelly at 900chml.com for your comments and your questions for uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. We'll go to your calls and uh, get some uh, conversation going about that in just a couple of minutes. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the program. Good to have you with us again today. Uh, thank you, Bill. It's a uh, glorious day out there. Spring has sprung, and uh, you know we're, uh, we're more, more open than we have been, so uh, things are looking up. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too, the... Uh, COVID-19 situation here. But let's let's do the, the, the Main Street thing, if we could, Mr. Mayor. This yep. is not a new debate. Uh, I think it's been going on for as long as, well, even longer, I guess, than you've been on council. Uh, and it rears up, and then it just settles down after a little while, and we decide, even during the LRT debate, of course, this was a main factor. There's a sense of urgency right now, I heard from some of the comments from some of your colleagues on council. Traffic fatalities are, are bad. One is one too many, of course. But uh, what do you see and what do you perceive is going on here? In terms of traffic, <clears throat> well, you know, it's hard. You know, we've we've seen uh, some erratic kind of traffic, you know, driving and mobility, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic. So there's certainly some, you know, either people are taking out some of their anxiety or their uh, their anger through uh, through their vehicle. So uh, you know, that seems to be uh, you know a bit of an issue. We've had lots of impacts as a result of the pandemic. I'm not going to lay it all on pandemic, but. Having said that, you know, the, the whole notion I've always said of having a highway going through our city uh, is not conducive to, you know, pedestrian and uh, business activity along those corridors. And so it's always been, I think, uh, an opportunity for us to have a look at how, how can we improve uh, the, uh, the atmosphere on uh, Main Street and on King Street. We, uh, you were part of council uh, back in the day when uh, we had hard looks at James and John and Catherine and uh, and more recently, uh, Wentworth and Queen and all of those, most of those have been two-wayed and to the benefit of, uh, you know, the improvement of the activity on those streets. So James Street being a prime example uh, was a one-way a corridor for the longest time, forever almost. And, uh, you know, we made significant change. It was controversial at the time. People thought that, uh, you know, the traffic was going to be, uh, you know, cray-cray. And it didn't turn out to be that way. And it actually provided an opportunity for that street to come back to life. And so uh, the street activity, the pedestrian activity is important. Councilor Marula put forward a motion about giving pedestrians priority. And that 
that certainly is an issue in many other communities where, you know, the, you know, in Hamilton, car is king. We have pedestrian crosswalks in other communities. And I'm thinking Vancouver, uh, if a pedestrian wants to cross the street, they indicate uh, no matter where they are that they need to cross the street and traffic on both sides stops. So it's a much different kind of cultural attitude to where towards uh, pedestrians and, and safety in our communities. So I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm supportive of uh, two-way Main Street. I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, it will uh, generate more activity on uh, on Main Street. And, you know, the, 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 the minor benefit from my selfish perspective is that uh, you can now see the Hamilton sign uh, going both ways as, as opposed to just uh, seeing it in your rearview mirror, which uh, I think is a benefit as well. Uh, let's talk about the logistics of this, though, and, and there are a couple yeah. of things that come into play. And I, I listen. I, I when I was on council, I experienced the same stuff. It was awfully frustrating. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I can remember two instances that jump out at me as I was w watching the debate at council about this, uh, and they both had to do with the installation of traffic lights to allow for pedestrian crossings. And we did one on Fennel Avenue, uh, about East Thirteenth, I think it was. The very next day, somebody was was it was a hit and run, and somebody died a block away from there, and uh, that's frustrating. And you know about the ones that have been put on uh, Mall Road, of course, on your way into Lime Ridge Mall. Uh, same thing. Three days after that, somebody gets hit. I know I'm not blaming this on pedestrians, but I'm not doing that at all. So don't send me those emails. But it, we need to educate ourselves. And when there's a stoplight and there's a traffic signal there to turn, don't you know, walk the extra half block to get there instead of taking your life into your hands when you do that sort of thing. There's, I think there's an education process has to come in here too. There is, but I, you know, I, I would also say that uh, you know the pedestrian crosswalks and any any kind of intersection is not. You know, you know, just free and clear for pedestrians that you don't have to be mindful of where you are and being mindful of traffic. And so it doesn't absolve pedestrians of, uh, you know, a, a, a personal responsibility to be aware of your surroundings wherever you are, as the same as, you know, any, any you know, someone on a bicycle or, or someone in a vehicle. You, you're, not, you're not absolved of responsibility. Having said that, uh, you know, there is a there is a culture of car is king in, in, in the, the city of Hamilton. And, and I think in some some ways we're not trying to get rid of cars, but we're trying to balance the the needs of uh, both people that want to walk more in our community and want to enjoy that without having a highway right next to them or folks that want to cycle and want to be able to do it safely or they want their kids to be able to do it safely. And I think those those are all positive objectives when we're trying to build a city that is uh, accessible and usable by all. And so, you know, cars are going to be here and they're, uh, you know, what we would ask vehicle operators to do is to be more mindful of people that are using different forms of mobility, whether it's a scooter, a bicycle, or they're on foot. And uh, I think that that is an education process that also needs to happen. I, I, you mentioned Councilman Rula from the east end of the city uh, just a few minutes ago, and, and I know that he took a lot of heat from some constituents anyway when he uh, asked for and eventually got a reduced speed limit on Kenilworth Avenue, uh, right at the bottom of the Kenilworth access there. It's down to 40, and I know it's only going to work. Any rule, any regulation, any change you make is only going to work as long as it can be enforced. Uh, is there going to be some discussion with Hamilton Police Services about that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's part of the process going forward. Uh, you know, kind of the speed on Main Street, and you know, you we could all agree that uh, you know far too often the people are weaving in and out of traffic and uh, and going too fast. Uh, we had that same experience on the uh, on the expressway, and we uh, we had we uh, you know, advanced uh, you know a reduced speed limit and did some uh, you know pretty aggressive enforcement uh, on the on the expressway, and we had a you know a team of police officers doing that uh, on a 
pretty much a full-time basis and i think we'll, we'll you know probably adopt the same approach on main street to uh, to get people to slow down and drive uh, drive more safely and be much more aware of their their environment so i uh, policing is always uh you know part of the process i mean you know the bottom line is we we need people to think about uh their environment and to be mindful of others that are also uh, you know operating in that environment and if if the attitude is that pedestrians are, are you know, don't belong on the road and uh, they have no business crossing the street, then uh, you know, then we've got a problem. And so we uh, we need to make sure that uh, that that cultural shift starts to happen. I, I I don't want to spend the whole session on this, but there's one other question. Then I want to move on to some other stuff, yeah. uh, and it's a logistical problem. And I think we had the discussion about this when you were considering uh, two way on Main Street during the LRT discussions. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an uh, there's an on-ramp, uh, of course, as you know, right at Main and Dundurn, and it's uh, the on-ramp from Highway 403 to go to Main Street East. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to make this a two-way street, uh, that you don't want that traffic coming off there, ready to go in the wrong way on that road, uh, That which means there's going to have to be a reconfiguration of that. Who's going to pay for that? Yeah, I mean, that's a challenge, and that's why, you know, we, we need our staff to come back and give us, uh, you know, what, what this looks like and what the costs will be. I think that's uh, that's an important step, and, you know, there there's always going to be impacts. And so, uh, you know, we, uh, I can't prejudge what all those impacts are going to be. Uh, every time you make a change anywhere in traffic or, uh, you know, in anything, you're going to have, uh, you know, reactions uh, throughout, you know, other parts of the city where you're, you're, you know, you're taking some traffic off of their, for this road, but you're putting it somewhere else, or you're, you're, you know, readjusting an off ramp, or you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, putting a, putting an LRT over top of and, and, and circling onto Main Street that is, uh, you know, currently now one way. So all of those, you know, I, we're advised by our, our, our uh, traffic uh, lead that uh, these things are all doable, uh, but we need to have a good hard look at what it's going to take. Uh, and it's not a simple matter. So for those that would oversimplify this and say, well, you could just, uh, you know, turn this over in a couple of days and uh, you know just change all the signage it's it's really not that simple this is going to take some time and some thought and review uh, i personally thought we should have uh, done that thought and review before we made the decision but you know i think at some point you, you decide that uh, this is an objective that has been in place for quite some time so moving forward on it is not a bad thing but we need to have all of the information in front of us before we finalize any plan that's uh Going to your phone calls here is the, the mayor's town hall continues here on chml and of course uh, cfpl london uh 905-645-3221 star 9900 is a toll-free number for you and of course emails b kelly at 900 chml.com robert you're first up with uh, hamilton mayor fred eisenberger welcome to the program robert how are you doing i'm well morning, okay man. go ahead for the mayor yeah i'm a little bit perplexed in this because uh, I've been in New York and I've been to Chicago and a number of other cities, and they have an extensive use of, of one-way streets, and never seem they seem to do quite well with it. And uh, uh, with that being said, if you uh, is this could this not be said that this is a trial for the LRT as a result of this was changing because you had priced uh, two-way streets and the bridge wasn't in the original budget expectations, so now. We're going to be taking on that because of the traffic problem that's being brought. Almost without, without, with any, without any uh, deliberate uh, ignorance regarding the people who have got hurt over this. I know that's not my with, point. With apologies, but I'm bringing that Robert. as a result. Of that yeah. I'm having a hard time. Robert, I'm going to let you. Saying. You're breaking up, Robert. So I'll, I'll yeah. let you go, and you can listen to the mayor's response on your car. Thanks for the call, Mr. Mayor. So Bill, go ahead. Could you? 
if you heard it more clearly than I, I really didn't get the essence of what he was uh, what he was asking. So can you can you paraphrase? Yeah, I think or? the essence of it, as he's traveled to other cities, uh, New York yeah. and uh, Boston. He mentioned, I believe, in Chicago, they do still employ one way streets, uh, and they seem to work. They seem to be effective. Uh, and he's just wondering: is this really just an extension the, of the the LRT discussion and debate, uh, the, the, which you and I talked about just a couple of minutes ago? Uh, that yeah. I think Councillor Wilson <laughs> mentioned this when she presented her motion that this was yeah. inevitable. This is going to have to happen. Eventually. Uh, I mean, I think that's true. Uh, you know, there there needs to be change when you're when you're you're introducing a whole new different uh, traffic mobility option, and uh, and you're narrowing some of the roadway. Then you're going to have to look at uh, you know making some adjustments in other locations. That that was always part of the process going forward. I would say Boston. Uh, you know, you're familiar, probably more familiar than most, being such a rabid Boston Bruins fan. Mm -hmm. That uh, that you know they buried uh, you know some major one-way thoroughfares uh, in their city to uh, free up uh, you know space on street and uh, at grade and so uh, the big dig uh, wasn't all that long ago and it was really all about getting traffic off of the the, the main corridors and getting it uh, out of the way so that they could actually enjoy their city more so that kind of city building is important New York City. Uh, I borrowed from New York City, uh, you know, the a one lane of parking, you move it over one lane into the into the roadway, and you actually then, by virtue of that, create a protected bike lane. Uh, there, New York City has made significant uh, changes in their one-way uh, streets. They've closed off a number of streets. They've changed their uh, entire traffic pattern and made it more accessible for pedestrians and uh, and cyclists and other forms of mobility. So there's been some very significant changes in both of those cities. And I would say, uh, you know, change is difficult. Uh, it always is. We, uh, you know, we're all used to a one-way street uh, through the main, uh, you know, artery of our city. Uh, and it's hard to envision what it's like, uh, you know, until it's done. And if you now look at James and John and areas where people said this is going to be a disaster, this will never work, uh, it works beautifully well, in fact, even better. And it's uh, actually brightened up and livened up the street. So that's that's an objective that we all want. We're not trying to eliminate cars. We're trying to make it more uh, agreeable for cars and pedestrians and businesses and street life to coexist together. Okay, we're going to uh, take a break at this stage. Uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us for the entire hour. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mr. Mayor, thanks for hanging on. I uh, wanted to get an update from you because you and I haven't talked for quite some time now. Uh, about the private-public partnership that uh, the city has struck now with the uh, the entertainment facilities, uh, being the arena, of course, and and uh, the uh, concert hall and the convention center. Um, mm -hmm. Councils have given that a thumbs up, but what's the status of theirs? Have it been signed over? Are they already taking place? Are taxpayers uh, off the hook for some of those costs? Now, what's going on? Uh, no, I think the, uh, the deadline uh, for that uh, exchange is, I think, June the 1st, if I recall correctly, or the end of May. Uh, and I have no no doubt that that will uh, will be uh, will be finalized. And uh, you know, looking forward to I think uh, you know a pretty progressive step to uh, not only uh, you know reduce uh, costs for Hamilton taxpayers, but to you know to make some very significant investments, especially in the arena. And you know the the, the amount of money that they're talking about is fifty million plus uh, to uh, to invest and renew and uh, upgrade the, uh, the 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 arena. And certainly investments in the uh, convention facilities as well in terms of expansion and adding uh, additional floor space. And that's all on their dime. They, uh, but that also included some other uh, benefits that they're going to have in terms of development sites along the York Street Boulevard corridor. So overall, 
the uh, over the life of the agreement, the uh, the uh, cost savings to the taxpayers is something in the order of about 140 million dollars. And of course, uh, we get the benefit of all of that uh, investment that the private sector is going to make. So I expect that by the end of this month, it will be uh, finalized. Are you concerned about, uh, shall we say, the activity in downtown Hamilton? I mean, with all we just talked about uh, the LRT, and there's going to be a shovel in the ground there eventually, uh, yeah. reconfiguring of Main Street, and of course, some of these other developments that you just talked about with the uh, uh, entertainment facilities. This is. There's, a lot of the stuff's going to be going on at the same time, and it's it's really going to make it very, very difficult to navigate around the downtown. How, how does the city prepare for something like that? Well, I'll be very, very organized. Excuse me, Bill. <clears throat> I've got um, allergies that are raging right now, so my voice is kind of breaking up, so I apologize. Uh, look, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, all, all of that work is going to be done in stages and in phases, and all of that has to be organized and orchestrated and you know, we're mindful of all the development that's happening. And if you're, you know, if you're downtown at all right now, uh, you know, there's probably seven or eight cranes that are up uh, building uh, new buildings. And so, but it's all being done in a very, uh, you know, organized and uh, uh, a thoughtful way. And so, uh, you know, that has to be part of the move forward. And when uh, they start making investments in the uh, the arena, which, uh, you know, will, is mostly, you know, indoor, in, indoor part of the arena. So for a period of time, the arena will be closed so they can make this investment. Uh, you know, all of that will be uh, coordinated through the uh, through the city uh, in partnership with the city. So we're not we're not, you know, releasing our ownership of these buildings, but we are providing uh, private management that can uh, make these investments and make them work. So it, uh, it's going to be uh, challenging. You know, I, I mentioned a minute ago about the big dig in Boston, uh, you know, and, you know, these big projects can be done and. Uh, it, it will take uh, some time and effort to uh, to get through them. But, you know, it's uh, in, in, invariably it's about how do you build your city for the future? And we have to be mindful of that. And uh, if, if we have to take steps today to, uh, you know, have a bit of inconvenience over the long run, it is about the, uh, the future of our city and the benefits that uh, are going to accrue for not only ourselves, but for the next generation that comes behind us. Another announcement uh, just a couple of days ago that uh, the city uh, is ending the state of emergency for COVID-19. I'm sure many of our listeners even forgot that was in place for it's been so long now. What's the status now then? Where are we with uh, with COVID and pandemics, etc.? I mean, we're listening as much as we can to the medical officers felt, Chief uh, Dr. Richardson, of course. Yeah. Uh, is the pandemic over? I mean, is, what does this signify that the, the, this move by the, the city council and by the uh, public health department to make, remove the state of emergency? It's, uh, it's the mayor that actually uh, you know, puts in a state of emergency and it's also the mayor that removes it. Uh, the reason that we needed it was to be able to deploy uh, people from, you know, the work that they were doing normally through either unionized forces or or or, uh, or city staff, uh, and to be able to deploy them into the vaccination and uh, and pandemic process. Uh, you know, in, in the absence of that, this was now through provincial regulation, but we had to have a state of emergency in place to be able to utilize those powers to be able to uh, redeploy people. That was the main reason for doing it. We're not redeploying any more people to the vaccination process. It's all being done now through public health. Previously, we had used all of the folks that were not running and operating the, uh, the rec centers or not operating any of the facilities that were closed or not doing uh, you know the park maintenance that, uh, that wasn't necessary throughout the pandemic. And all of them were put into the vaccination uh, process. And it was a massive, massive effort to provide, I think, 1.8 million vaccinations and uh, and still continuing 
And so the status of the pandemic, it's not over, but we're in much, much better shape. Uh, the impacts of uh, the pandemic for the unvaccinated are still very serious and concerning. And the advice uh, from all medical officers of health, whether it's federal, provincial, in our own local Dr. Richardson, is people get vaccinated, keep your vaccinations up to date, uh, get that booster shot. We're, we're lagging behind in terms of about 62% of our population has taken on that uh, third uh, third shot, which is important to keep your uh, your vaccinations up to date. And we're heading towards uh, fourth shots. And, you know, who knows what happens in the future in terms of the need to continue on with that kind of vaccination against this virus. So this virus is still here. We're learning to live with this virus, as, you know, the medical officers of health are now kind of advocating is that, you know, we, we need an economy. The economy in Hamilton is doing great uh, by virtue of, you know, some significant investments that both the federal, provincial, and municipal governments have made. And so uh, we're, we're, we're surging in terms of a community. But at the same time, people need to be mindful of taking some of those precautions that we've talked about, which is, you know, in crowded places, you might want to think about masking, especially if you're immune challenged. If you have other health issues, you may, may be at higher risk. And, uh, you know, be mindful of the virus is still out there. Many of us, personally, I got it uh, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, it was not pleasant, but uh, it wasn't life-threatening. Thank you, uh, thank you to the vaccine. And for those that are unvaccinated, uh, you know you're at higher risk, and we're seeing lots of unvaccinated people still in hospital uh, with uh, many significant challenges. I have a brother-in-law that's a respirologist at the uh, the general, and uh, you know I hear from him that uh, lots of unvaccinated folks are still in very very serious trouble as a result of this uh, virus. So. It's here, it's uh, likely not going away, but we have to find a way of uh, cohabitating with it and take appropriate precautions, but at the same time, keep our economy going and keep people employed and uh, continue to function as a city. Just as a follow-up to that, though, what about the deployment of city staff um, working at home, going back to the office? Uh, where is the status? What is the status, rather, of that right now? Is there going to be a reevaluation of, of maybe who could work from home? Uh, is it going to be a hybrid model? Where are we on that? Yeah, so just to be clear, 75% of our staff have been out in the community all the way throughout the pandemic. I mean, you know, I want to I want to thank, you know, the uh, the public works workers, the garbage collecting folks, the recycling collectors, the uh, the folks that have maintained our city, uh, you know, services. All of them have been out there working through the entire pandemic, and uh, they are to be congratulated for that. 25% of our our uh, our uh, staff have been. Uh, uh, basically sent home to do their work uh, virtually through the through the course of the pandemic and that's predominantly the office staff right now they're uh, they're they're gradually coming back uh, we're gradually opening up our our uh, city hall is now uh, fully open even though we're requiring our city staff to, to mask uh, there is not a requirement for people that are coming into the building to, to, to be masked although we encourage them to be mindful of their own condition and their own uh, safety precautions that they need to take and we are looking at uh, the hybrid model for folks that uh, can continue to work from home, uh, you know, two, two or three days a week and, and be in the office uh, two or three days a week. And certainly, you know, the, the pandemic has demonstrated that uh, for those folks that uh, can, that, that are working in front of a computer, uh, they have been getting their work done very effectively. And in fact, we found that it, it, it's almost even more efficient. Uh, they, they've got a lot more work done. Uh, by by virtue of them uh, working at home, 
And uh, that has worked rather successfully. So we're going to have a hybrid process for those that uh, want to, that can. Uh, obviously, there are some areas that, uh, that, that, that you just can't. So front counter service, uh, people collecting, uh, coming in to pay their taxes, uh, we can't have those folks working at home. But for the back office, folks that are doing some of the accounting, uh, some of that can be done from home. So we're, we're all working through that, that process right now. And uh, slowly but surely, people are coming back to all of our office locations. A uh, quick email here from, uh, well, Gary at bkelly900chml.com, essentially asking, Mr. Mayor, why can't ordinary people use the public square in front of Hamilton City Hall to gather? I assume he's uh, referencing the intention of some of the uh, potential candidates in the upcoming municipal election who wanted to make their announcement in front of Hamilton City Hall. I, personally, I don't quite understand you know, how standing in front of City Hall makes you more electable, but that's their choice. Uh, but... Uh, I, I, and some people have tried this. And just for the listeners who may not know, uh, apparently there's an ordinance against that, a bylaw against that, and everybody got shoved off the property, essentially, uh, which is very dangerous because they ride on a, a very narrow sidewalk with traffic on Main Street that we just talked about earlier. What's the status of that? I, a lot of people I've reached out to and that I've talked to weren't even aware this was a, a, a in place right now because there have been a lot of groups that have gathered there before. When did this happen, and, and are we going to continue to enforce that? So we, we have to delineate between, uh, you know, politics and elections and, and regular folks that want to come to the forecourt and, uh, you know, protest peacefully. That that certainly is uh, has not changed. That's viable and doable. And uh, we welcome people to come to the forecourt. In fact, we've got our Muskoka chairs out right now and we invite people to come and spend time at, uh, at the City Hall Plaza. But when it comes to politics and, you know, ironically, uh, the premier is doing an event uh, in Hamilton. And uh, it's the Elections Act that we are following, which uh, requires that uh, all, all public resources uh, have to be uh, controlled and managed and paid for by those that are running election campaigns. And so the Premier is coming in to do an event. Uh, I can't give you a specific state and time and location, but they're booking it and they're, uh, they're providing uh, whatever resources are required to make it happen. And that, uh, that is consistent for everybody. And it's not a new rule, by the way. Uh, you know, the last election, uh, when I uh, announced my, you know, maybe, maybe it was the time before. Uh, so eight years ago, uh, it, it was it, public property was excluded from political campaigns to get access to. And so I, I actually made my announcement from, uh, from uh, across the street at, uh, at the McMaster, uh, Mac, McMaster Medical Facility with the City Hall in the background. And so, you know, I, I mean, there's ways of doing that, but to be fair to all uh, candidates. Uh, the same rule applies. and It's been in place for quite some time and it's just being uh, enforced as we speak. So that includes every facility, every open space, Gage Park, Gore Park, uh, places like that? Yeah, it, uh, it, it, people have to book it, you know, they, like you would for any other event, quite frankly, if you wanted to do a, you know, a picnic, uh, you know, with, a, you know, an organized group in, in any of our parks and facilities, you need to come to the city, uh, you need to have a, a, a predominantly a permit uh, and you need to go through the seat process and all of that stuff. So there are safety issues and uh, gathering issues and all kinds of things. So it's consistent for everybody and all candidates have to adhere to that policy. Uh, speaking of, uh, as we mentioned, October, the municipal elections in most of Ontario, small towns, villages, big cities, all happening at the same time. And uh, there's a cutoff, of course, for uh, registration. And it's been pretty active, from what I understand, of uh, people walking in there and, and announcing, which is good. That's democracy. And it's great to see people taking an interest in, and wanting to make a contribution. 
Um, what about you? Um, there's still a lot of speculation about whether or not you're going to be seeking re-election. Are we going to see uh, Fred Eisenberger's name on the ballot for mayor? Well, we'll we'll see, Bill. I what I've uh, indicated was that I would, uh, uh, you know, make a decision on that and announce something in that order, uh, you know, after the provincial election. I'll be honest with you, uh, uh, Diane and I have celebrated our 40th uh, uh, wedding anniversary two years ago, and uh, we had booked a. Uh, uh, a cruise uh, from from Budapest to Amsterdam, and it's been canceled, canceled, and is on this year. So, we are going to uh, we're going to uh, take advantage of an opportunity to take a break. Uh, it's been a, a rough couple of years. Uh, we're going to think on uh, you know what the, what our future is going to be, and uh, we're going to figure that out. And when we come back, uh, we will uh, we'll make an announcement of what our intentions are. All right, so let's talk time frames. Uh, I don't want to pry too much into your. When's the cruise? Is it over the summer months? Yeah, so so actually, it's coming up uh, starting next weekend, and uh, we'll be back on June the fifteenth. And what's the deadline for registering? Oh God, it's August. Way 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 over in August. So August twenty yeah, third is the deadline. Uh, so you can sign up between now and August the the end of August uh, anytime. So if someone wants to. Uh, you know, wait and sign up at the end of August, they can do that. I won't be waiting that long. Uh, and, and by the way, that's a good rule. I mean, because we've needed some election reform here uh, for quite some time. There was a time, I think you could call, um, I, I guess it was about eight years ago, uh, when you could you could register for the election, which back in those days was in November. You could have registered January 1st of that year. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it just became really silly. I mean, because everybody was campaigning. There were a couple of councillors that were seeking office, higher office, and uh, every every council meeting became a, a rally. And, and it was, it's hard to stay focused on things like this. And we seem to be moving now, uh, federally, provincially, and municipally, into shorter campaign periods. And I think yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see, um, you know, municipally, <clears throat> that they, they, they marry the, uh, the, the time of campaigns, uh, you know, with the federal, provincial timeframes, you know, which tends to be you know, 35 to 40 days, that, that, that's plenty of time for people to organize. And if they can organize a, a federal, national, you know, election campaign on that basis, surely we can do that, uh, you know, at a, on a municipal level. So these year-long campaigns are, are a huge distraction. I mean, it basically takes a year out of your ability to get stuff done, and that uh, that's just not not viable and, and not necessary. So, I think the uh, the adjustment has been positive, and uh, you know this year it'll be about a six month uh, potential campaign for those that want to go that long, and uh, that's a that's an improvement for sure. Mr. Mayor, as always, thank you for the time today. Really do appreciate it. If uh, we don't talk again, have a good trip, and uh, we look forward uh, to your announcement uh, when you return. But thanks again for thank this. You. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day. Always a pleasure. The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.